Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, January 24th. Earlier this week, City Council discussed a motion to reevaluate the proposed property tax rate adjustment. Will Council take steps to ease the burden off of Calgary homeowners? We discuss with Ward 1 Councillor Sonia Sharp. Former President Donald Trump has come out as the winner of the New Hampshire primary ahead of the 2024 Republican nomination. Does Trump's only challenger, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, have any real chance of winning the nomination? We get the thoughts of Melissa Hausman, political science professor from Carleton University. And finally, want to be part of the 2024 Calgary Stampede Art Show? We get details on how your art could be featured in this year's edition of the Stampede from Michael Weatherup, chair of the Western Showcase Committee for the Calgary Stampede. Will Calgary City Council take steps to adjust budget plans and reevaluate the proposed property tax rate adjustment, sitting currently at 7.8%? Joining us following yesterday's council meeting, Ward 1 Councillor for the Calgary City Council, Sonia Sharp. Good morning, Councillor Sharp. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Can we kind of break it down first? You know, you've you've gone through the process. You've come up with a a recommendation for a 7.8% property tax increase. And now some councillors have decided they want to step back and reevaluate. Is that where we're at? Yeah, so in November, uh, nine members of council uh, passed the budget with the 7.8% increase. Six of us did not. And so over the holiday season, you know, we were hearing from constituents, from Calgarians, you know, things haven't gotten any easier for them. So six of us got together in the new year and decided that there's still time before budget is finalized in the spring to make some adjustments. And so the notice of motion that came forward yesterday was passed to go to council to have the conversation in depth. And it gives everybody a second chance to see if there's a will to, you know, postpone some work uh, to a later date and find some savings that we can bring down that 7.8, which is on top of inflation, assessment values, and cost of living for Calgarians right now. And so, so you just laid it out brilliantly there, Councillor Sharp, in the sense that you've, uh, you're all on the same page. You've got this window open, but the million-dollar question, well, it's probably more than a million dollars, <laughs> is uh, where are the money will be found elsewhere in the budget to, to cover that off. Right. And so, you know, it's too bad we're even at this place. Going into budget in 2024, we had a $100 million surplus. We used it all. Uh, We had 28 investments, expenditures, I'd like to call them, that came forward and they were all approved. There were amendments on the floor to postpone, to move money around so that we didn't have to see the increase and hold the line for Calgarians, which they expected 3.4. What was passed and using the surpluses that we had available uh, baked in 5.5% for 2025 and increased the budget for 2024. Now we can reevaluate. And so has work been started? on some things no and the other thing we have to think about the two top priorities we're hearing from calgarians right now are public safety and affordable housing those don't need to be touched uh, in order to find savings their savings to be found and the thing is is that it's not savings to be found it's reevaluating what was passed because those were net new investments we're not asking city administration to go in and cancel projects that you know have started or halfway that's not what we're asking we're asking go find some opportunities to what was passed and can we postpone some of this work for later date? So why now, Councillor? Why wasn't that done then? Oh, it was. Uh, myself and Councillor Jabot brought over 10 amendments uh, to postpone work to look for opportunities to use, um, you know, one-time funding then, or and not put it into the base so you wouldn't see the increment increase over the next two years. Those were all voted down either 9-6 or 8-7. And it was like there was a predetermined outcome for budget. You know, it wasn't even 
I'll be honest, it, it was, I was, I wasn't surprised, but I think, um, you know, we didn't even have the fulsome conversation on some of the opportunities that were in front of us. They were, some of them weren't even debated, voted down. And my, many of us just, you know, we went through the process and thought, okay, well, we brought it forward. We tried, and now we have another opportunity. This is a softball approach to having administration go back and they're the subject matter experts and bring us what they think is the most appropriate way to move forward. If we don't feel like that's the most appropriate way to move forward, work council, we can, you know, direct them to do something different. Do I feel like this is the last, you know, kick at the can? Absolutely not. I've got a question for you here, a statement from Dan who texted in, Councillor Sharp, and uh, I'll let you just, uh, not direct it toward you, but in general, I'd like your thoughts. He says, uh, you can't tell me that every dollar YYC spends is well spent. One problem, administration refuses to dig in and find the savings. It's an attitude of, oh, well, it's only $10,000. It's no big deal. Add it all up, says Dan. It is a big deal. Your thoughts on on a statement like that? I agree completely. It is a big deal. We came out saying um, the 8% increase is $16 a month on the average homeowner. It's not. Uh, you know, going into budget, we're only seeing the budget line items and the increase to what we approve. We have to take in consideration assessment. And when we go back and look at opportunities for, you know, trimming, op- like tripping, trimming or, you know, looking for efficiencies in the corporation, there is. Uh, a couple years ago, before I was even a councillor, I was administration, and council put forward a save program, go find savings in the corporation. They did. They found $75 million very quickly. So you can't tell me it can't be done, because it can. It's the will, and that's what's important. And so we have to be listening to Calgarians right now. They're struggling. Nothing's getting better since last November, and we're heading into a year where, yeah, maybe you know, in, interest rates will stay stable for the next couple of years, But the cost of living has increased in Calgary. And Calgarians don't want to hear, well, well, we're cheaper than Vancouver. Calgarians care about what, how, and they can live in Calgary. So that's also a narrative we have to think about because those are our people that we represent and they're the people that put us in these seats. So, Councillor, is it fair to say there's some contention on Council then because, you know, we've seen a quote from uh, Councillor Giancarlo Carra, who represents Mm -hmm. Ward 9, said not enough work has been done on the motion and increased taxes are needed to address the city's explosive growth. Um, I think there's, you know, first of all, there has been uh, work done with the motion. Um, Councillor Wong did a fantastic job uh, working with administration and, um, you know, I think there's a time to spend and then there's a time to hold the line. And when we spend, we need to be able to show Calgarians what the return is. I think a lot of folks are thinking this is a political move. Um, you know, political moves like this happen closer to mid-cycle adjustment, which I think that we're all going to see some folks on council make some political moves um, to get reelected in 2025. But what, you know, some councillors are not realizing is you can spend until you're blue in the face. If you aren't providing the services to Calgarians, they're going to start asking. Uh, and there's a lot of questions, even with the budget. Why were there 28 investments or expenditures added on? We could have held the budget at 3.4, still delivered on public safety and affordable housing with the surpluses we had. It was added on, um, you know, investments, as I like to call it, that pushed us over the edge. And to hear that, you know, we were $100 million short, and that's why, in, you know, taxes went up. That's that's not true. We had a hundred million dollars surplus. We used it. 
All right, so let's break this down. Councillor Sharp, you've mentioned that, uh, you know, this is the task ahead of you. You uh, folks are mm -hmm. rolling up your sleeves. Uh, but can you give us a timeline of, of the next steps and, uh, you know, some of the dates ahead? Uh, when, when can we start to see some action? Well, this will need to go and be debated on a council next Tuesday. And uh, so that got passed to go there. Uh, if it passes that council, we'd have to have a reconsideration. So you'd need 10 votes in order for this to move forward. If this were to move forward, then we would ask administration to return to council with a report by the 27th of February. So we can meet the deadline for um, uh, the budget finalization in March. Thank you for breaking it down, Councillor Sharp. Appreciate your time this morning. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Appreciate right, it. Bye -bye. Sonia Sharp is Ward 1 Councillor for the City of Calgary. Yesterday, New Hampshire held their presidential primary ahead of the 2024 Republican nomination, and former President Donald Trump came out as the winner. So, does Nikki Haley, his one and only competitor left, even have a chance of challenging for the nomination? Joining us to talk about it is Melissa Hausman, professor in the Department of Political Science at Carleton University. Good morning to you, Professor. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. It is fascinating Fascinating what's playing out in the U.S. It's, it's deja vu all over again, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is fascinating. Absolutely. So, I mean, where do we even begin? D does Nikki Haley have a chance? Let's start with that. She absolutely does. Um, after yesterday's primary in New Hampshire, Trump's got 32 delegates. She's got 17. The magic number is 1,215, and nobody can even get to that until after the Super Tuesdays, Super Tuesday primaries in March. So, yes, she does. <clears throat> okay, so she has that chance, uh, absolutely. Uh, but what could she do to increase her chances? Because it seems like that Trump army is solid, as we've seen in the past and continued to see uh, last night. Right. Well, what's very interesting, uh, the... Um, the takeaways after yesterday were that, again, Trump gets the non-college educated voters. Haley gets the college educated. And the thing to remember is that even on Super Tuesday, when you've got 16 states voting, a number of those primaries, like the New Hampshire primary, are open to independence. And she disproportionately drew independence. He disproportionately draws Republican. She has had great success in fundraising, uh, especially, you know, late fall 2023. She's got a lot of very well-heeled folks as well, individuals as well as corporations supporting her. Another interesting thing that she's doing um, is that she try, seems to be trying to appeal to the Trump voters in terms of some of her policy stances. And apparently there's been a promise that she would pardon Trump if elected. The problem with that is that, according to the Constitution, you cannot pardon impeachments. That's a non-starter. And she can't pardon anything that happens at the state level. So we haven't even started the federal prosecutions yet. Those would be the only things she could pardon. The other thing she's promising to try to affect or to affect is a national abortion ban. And again, if even one House of Congress is Democratic after 2024, which is very likely, that's not going to happen either. So it'll be interesting to see if the the Trump voters figure that out or not. Uh, we can talk about why this Trump phenomenon still even exists. But I'm curious, you talked about, you know, Trump and his business dealings and, you know, the investigations into him and, and what he's done. So could, it, could any of these cases actually derail the 2024 presidential bid? 
They could certainly derail his because one of the federal cases is set to open the day before the Super Tuesday primary, which takes place on March 5th. So, <clears throat> yes, it will be a cloud hanging over his head, I'm quite sure. We, we talk, obviously, during these primaries and, and during the race between uh, he and Nikki Haley, you know, the outcomes potentially. If, like, let's, uh, you know, uh, play, you know, uh, just... I guess, uh, yeah, advocate, uh, you know, to a certain extent. Let, let's just move right. ahead and see that it is Trump. What would the battle look like this time out between former President Donald Trump and current President Joe Biden? It's really hard to say because we would have to see what the effect of the prosecutions, which again, federally start in March. So we'd have to see how much weight those have. And then, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court has not ruled yet on the whole 14th Amendment question, whether somebody supporting insurrection cannot be elected president. So, you know, whether or not they can keep him off the ballot. So there are a number of unknowns here between March, say, or even between the current time and next November. It it would be an interesting contest should he survive all those challenges, but he's got quite a mountain to climb. The other thing I would say is that the Republicans are not terribly great at supporting strong women. And in terms of credentials, Nikki Haley is the strongest, well, I would say even contender for their party, and also strongest woman since uh, Elizabeth Dole was exploring a candidacy right before 2000. I mean, this is a lady who's been a leader of a small business in her state, the leader of National Retail Association, a former member of the South Carolina House, two-term governor and, of course, Trump's ambassador to the U.N. They don't come much more qualified than that. So, you know, the Republicans really have a choice here, as EJD Dionne laid out the other day. Do they want to elect somebody who can govern or somebody who's really not interested in governing? What does the Republican Party want to be as it goes forth? That's the fascinating thing, isn't it, Professor? I mean, with all that you just mentioned, and yet... A guy like Donald Trump is still so popular. I mean, even, you know, when Nikki Haley, you know, admitted, or I forget, I can't, sorry, I can't think of the word, when she conceded last night um, that he had taken the, that primary in New Hampshire. Yeah. It, it, I mean, he's so rude and he's so, he, he comes out and he criticizes what she's wearing. It's so unnecessary. And yet people still love the guy. Yes. Well, again, we have to look at, you know, who the voters are, who respond to him and, Ramaswamy also tried some of that stuff in the debates, and she came right back at him. It's a really uh, very less educated sort of kind of theme, and one reaches for it when one doesn't have anything of substance. And so, <clears throat> sorry, um, you know, they talk about her name, they talk about her hair, their sho- her shoes, because, of course, Trump knows she's way more qualified. I mean, he had not a day's political experience <clears throat> when he got the nomination, so... She's way more qualified, and he doesn't have much to say. I mean, he called her an imposter. Well, (laughs) I think the label um, more properly belongs to him. Very interesting. We're watching it play out in front of our eyes, and it's interesting, you know, from a Canadian perspective because we're just sitting on the sidelines with our snacks uh, to watch how this this all plays out. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you.
Uh, you know, Melissa Hussman is professor of political science at Carleton University. If you want to be part of the 2024 Calgary Stampede Art Show, you better get on your horse. Joining us to talk about the art show is Michael Weatherup, chair of the Western Showcase Committee at Calgary Stampede. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for coming in studio. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I don't know how, if you've been to Stampede ever, you would miss the art show, but break it down for us. Tell us, first of all, we know it's in the BMO every Stampede, but sort of give us an overview of, of what happens there. Well, it really is a, a celebration of uh, Western heritage, culture, and art. And it's not just some people hear Western heritage and culture and they think, oh, the Old West. Well, we live in the heart of the New West, and then, so it's those interpretations. We have uh, abstract uh, art, and we have Western art, and we have people that, uh, that weld and cut and make incredible art. But it's, uh, we have a photo gallery and a competition. We have our mini master's wall, sort of for the young emerging artists to be able to showcase their artwork and allow uh, people to have a first-time investment in art at a reasonable, reasonable price point. We have the gallery, the art gallery, which is a venue for artists that, again, are probably developing but aren't ready for the studios. Mm -hmm. And then we have the studios booth, which is uh, absolutely amazing amazing artists that uh, are well well seasoned uh, a lot of them have come year after year after year and you just see some stunning artwork we have uh, of course the uh, window on the west stage which is for young artists and then we have kitchen theater which is the culinary arts and i i believe you've competed and I won have, on that i have yes sir yeah absolutely you didn't mention my win because i won as Did well you? several times are you sure oh. yeah well what, what, what i was part of was the cowboys versus the uh, bull riders um, are they sorry? You, uh, Chuck Wagon versus the Cowboys okay. at the Atco Blue Flame. Yeah. It's a ton of so, fun. So it's really, was, yeah, some, there are so many fun day. things going so, on. So, but what I want to get at here, Michael, is obviously you're the chair of the Western Showcase Committee, but I know that it always takes a village of many people. So I wouldn't want the the pressure on my shoulders when artists come knocking on the door saying, "Hey, I want to take part." How how are they decided upon? And tell us about the team behind it. Well, we have 165 people on the committee overall, full time, year round volunteers. Uh, that do this, and, and I'm blessed to lead such an amazing group. Um, the, the artist studio, the art gallery, and the, the photos, that all closes the entries here at the end of January. And the reason we do that is because it allows a jury process. So it's a blind jury process. Wow. So there's no bias put in that, oh, I know Andy or I know Sue, so I'll let your artwork in. Right. It really is. We That's want what that. I would need to get my <laughs> artwork in. <laughs> so Me too. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But... Uh, it, it just allows us to get in uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful, amazing artwork to come in and the artists without any, again, without any bias. It's, it's judged on the quality of the work. And, and again, I'm not an artist, uh, so uh, how they, how they, the criteria for that, it, it's probably brush strokes and technique and... It's beyond our yeah, expertise, yes, personally. Um, I do want to touch on, though, you just said you ha have 165 committee members, and just remind people that that is the lifeblood of Calgary Stampede, right, is the volunteers, the committee members, the people that give their time to be on the committees within the whole umbrella or giant cowboy hat of Calgary Stampede. That's what makes this world go round. It's what makes the Calgary Stampede unique. We have over three three thousand volunteers, and then as we get closer to the event, we have event volunteers that come on as well. And and everybody does it for a different reason, but for the most part, it's to promote our city. We love it. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've traveled around the world, people say two things: they'll go Banff and Calgary Stampede. Right. So I'm proud Calgarian. You mentioned the application closes at the end of this month, the due process, and it sounds like everything is by the book. Uh, but for those folks listening right now, do I have to be a professional artist, Michael, or is it something that could be a passion project of mine and I've been doing art for years, for example? Oh, passion 
project, absolutely. The the mini masters, uh, it's young and emerging artists coming up. We also have a scholarship program for grade 12 students, uh, which is a brilliant way to get in, and they get to come in and see their their heroes, so to speak, uh, as the the studio artists. Uh, met this year's poster artist and dynamic young man, amazing, amazingly mm -hmm. passionate about what he's done, and he's been involved in that program for a number of years. Well, we'll send people to calgarystampede.com slash art show. And really, anyone can apply whatever your art might be, especially, you know, we know the culinary arts is a whole other ballgame. Yeah. But, you know, Andy likes to eat. We all like to go to restaurants. These could be up-and-comers in that world as, as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I went and watched a lot of the programming last year. Uh, they had a competition with the firefighters and the police, which was amazing. And I had the, the absolute honor to sit in the back and taste the food. And I was like, holy smokes, those guys can cook. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really amazing when you see the talent that uh, this city has. Mm -hmm, truly. Like across the board. And it's amazing. I'm already thinking about Stampede and all the fantastical things. Anytime, especially in January, when you can talk about the Calgary right. Stampede in any light, it's fantastic. But in the meantime, as Sue mentioned, we're going to direct people to calgarystampede.com slash art-show. They can get all the info they need there, I guess, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Everything is on there, and come down and visit, visit us. It's a great place to come for a... A glass of wine, yes. see some amazing uh, soul-touching art. Before we let you go, um, you are down on the grounds often, and you and I were talking off air. It looks like the new uh, the the new building right down Ooh. at Stampede is coming along pretty nicely. It is it is breathtaking. Uh, it's long overdue for the city of Calgary. It's going to do so much for for the city overall, bringing people in and the economy. But uh, yeah, you have to come down and see it. It's it's amazing. Well, I was driving down 17th Avenue uh, yesterday toward McLeod Trail, and I saw this thing in the distance that I've not seen. I haven't dr driven eastbound on 17th for quite some time. What is looming? In oh, the new BMO. It's mm -hmm. going to be fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Michael. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Michael Weatherup, uh, chair of the Western Showcase Committee at Calgary Stampede and all artists, you want to congregate at calgarystampede.com slash artshow.